You're listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast, where you'll hear the stories and interviews of everyday millionaires. We'll unveil their decisions, their strategies, and their current portfolio allocation. Now to your hosts, Clark Sheffield and Jace Mattinson. Thanks for listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast. Just a few things before we get in today's episode. If you like the show, please leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Uh, we love getting the word out and trying to get new listeners. This week, we're excited. We briefly cracked the top 20 business podcasts on iTunes and also the top five investing podcasts on iTunes. And so we're, we're happy that the podcast is starting to get around and, and, and help people with investing and strategies and, and those sort of things. Also, if you'd like to, we'd appreciate it if you subscribe to our emails. We're going to start sending out emails and, and give some millionaire analysis of some of the people we've interviewed. We've emailed over you know, 40, 50 millionaires now, uh, interviews completed, and so we're starting to analyze some of the data we've collected from that and trying to, to get some valuable information. So thanks again for listening, and we definitely appreciate it. So on today's show, we have Jack, and he's an industrial engineer worth $1 million. He just barely hit $1 million, and so we talked to him about how he celebrated, if he celebrated, I guess, rather, and what his financial goals are for the future. He has about 300000 in his 401k, about fifty in Roth, uh, fourteen in HSA. He also has some money in a taxable account and a 529. He also has a side business, and so we talked to him about that business, and that's currently cash flowing about $30,000 a month. And so we talked to him about his plans for growth and when he plans to quit his corporate job. He also has some experience with Lending Club, and so we talked to him about that and any advice he he gives for getting involved uh, with platforms such as those. He also talked about his interest and hobby with options trading and how and how successful he's he's been with that platform. We asked him about how much to take off the table and invest into his business versus investing in other investments for retirement. We also talked to to Jack about his net worth at such a young age and how he was able to build it up so quickly. And then we also end with some rapid fire questions, the most he spent on jeans and shoes and also his GPA. So without further ado, let's get into the interview with Jack. Welcome to the Millionaires Unveiled podcast. Today on the show, we've got Jack. Jack, do you want to just give us a little bit about your background and what you're doing now? Yeah, guys. Thank you for having me on the show. I really appreciate this. So my background is I'm 30 years old. I'm married with a beautiful, beautiful wife, and I've got three little kids at home. Uh, let's see. I you know, got an engineering degree. It's kind of popular amongst the personal finance community, but I studied as an industrial engineer and spent the you know, few years of my career so far in corporate America working in the auto industry as you know, a happy middle manager where I get to be delegated to and to delegate to somebody else. So life is good. And I'm kind of a geek when it comes to personal finance. So I've been stashing away relatively aggressively and um, not entirely sure where I'm going with it, but it's been an amazing journey so far and I'm having a blast. Good stuff. And what is your net worth today? So um, officially, it's about nine hundred and eighty thousand, but I also have a bit over twenty thousand dollars of money coming in. So I'm going to go ahead and call it. Uh, I did the math. It's one million eight thousand, if you include the little bit of money that's coming in. So not officially a millionaire, but I was earlier. Newly, <laughs> we're, we're, count, we're counting it. Newly minted right. millionaire Jack on our show. I'll awesome. Take it. And how is your net worth divided? 
so let's see here. Um, so the division is pretty heavily in pre-tax. So I've got over 300000 in pre-tax money. That's my 401k for my day job, as well as my wife's uh, self-employed 401k with our small business. I've got about 50000 in Roth, about 14000 in HSA. I've got 34000 in my child's 529 and the rest, you know, around 200000 or so of that is in taxable investments. Good stuff. And how is that invested? Are you in bonds and in equities? Yeah, so I'm a weird one. So I'll just go ahead and disclaimer that now. So I do have a lot of index funds, a lot of S&P, a lot of the total stock market index fund, and about 20 to 30% of that is in the total uh, international index funds. But I'm having a growing allocation into options trading uh, and trading derivatives of all sorts. So uh, heed my warning that I am a little bit of a, a, a different one when it comes to personal finance asset allocations. But I've always been interested in the markets and uh, taking a bit of an active stance. I am looking at how to best defend if a crash does come. I know that you don't need to defend it necessarily, but I truly kind of fear the, that internal mindset and what happens to your fortitude if the markets were to crash. You know, Being a millennial, I wasn't in the markets pre-2008. So I don't actually know how I will react if we have a severe drawdown. So I'm looking at ways of hedging using options and using other uh, alternative investments uh, to hedge that. And I also have about $11,000 in lending club in an IRA as well. Good stuff. So how long have you been doing the options trading then? I've been trading for about three years. Um, really, up until the last couple of years or so, I hadn't given a, a ton of effort or a, a large slice of my allocation into it just because I was too busy kind of earning, saving, and having kids. So now that we kind of have some stability on the family front and I'm getting more serious about making that plan towards early retirement or financial independence, I've started to take a more keen interest into it. And from what I've found, you know, it's been profitable for me. Uh, it, it works with my mindset with my kind of engineering analytical side of things. So it's been a great road. Awesome. And just out of curiosity, do you invest the money that's in your HSA or do you just keep that all in cash? We do. We keep about $1,000 in cash. I think that's the minimum that our company allows or at least the minimum that I was happy with. And then uh, the rest is in just a total stock market ETF. I think it's the um, I think it's the iShares total stock market. Cool. You know, one thing you shared with us before the show was that you paid off your house. So you own your house free and clear, have no debt. Do you want to talk about that a little bit, kind of mindset of, of why you decided to do that and, and kind of what that has changed in your financial situation now? Absolutely. Yeah. So that was a big decision. Uh, so we got a 30-year mortgage on our house in 2013. And when we bought it, we got one of those deals from our lender that they would give you know pay your closing costs. But the caveat to that is you need to have your mortgage for a minimum of five to seven years, I think it was without having to pay the bank back if you paid it off early. So we knew going in that I am risk, like I enjoy the risk, I don't mind the risk at all. And my wife is much more risk averse. You know, she came from another country, a different mindset around money, and you know, debt is evil, uh, which is totally great because in hindsight, it's a, it was a great decision to pay it off even though we may have more money now. So at the time of deciding, do we invest the money or do we um, pay it down more aggressively? Around this time, we were building a side business to help supplement my day job. And my wife runs a blog that I help her with uh, you know, in the nighttime. And we kind of made a pact between the two of us that if we both put in hard 
and worked on the side hustle and grew it to the point where we could pay the house off, all the rest of the money that came in after that would be all mine to play with. And I can trade options. I can do peer-to-peer lending. I can do whatever I want to. And she would be happy because she'd be debt-free. So it was one of those where maybe making the most, most math sensical way to go wasn't the right way for our family. And so we decided to just pay it down aggressively. So you're young, you know, you're 30, you have a net worth of a million, you have three kids. How are you able to be that financially successful? And, and does your family and friends know that you, you're that successful financially? Uh, so they know we're not struggling, but they don't know um, exactly where we're at in life. I, I know for a fact that I think we paid our house off before my parents did. And, you know, I, I'm hoping to retire before my dad does. So th- they know a little bit of our aggressiveness and our saving nature. And they know we're frugal people in general. Like we, we prefer to have people over at our house versus go out to expensive drinks and all of that. But I guess to, you know, I don't try to throw anything in people's faces. I know that, that money is a very taboo thing in our culture. And I'm by, you know, some projects I'm working on on the side as well. I'm hoping to help turn that tide a little bit and allow us to talk about it more openly. But I, I don't really know the right way to go about and say that, you know, I don't really want to have a party saying, Hey, we're a millionaire. But, um, <laughs> the, the good thing about it is that even the ones that are friends and family that kind of know our situation, it doesn't change the relationship. And I think that if you have, you know, true friends and true family that are, you know, honestly loving of each other, then it shouldn't go into it too much. But to your, I guess the first part of your question, how did we do it so quickly? I, I think it's just that my wife and I, we like to work. You know, we kind of met in college. We kind of, uh, we worked together on school projects and that kind of transitioned into a corporate career. And, and we've always kind of enjoyed more the pursuit of kind of achievement and working and kind of getting that self-fulfillment and actualization. So we, we don't get our enjoyment from spending the money. And investing it just seems like the right thing to do but i don't really check my accounts all that often except for the options trading i i I am a little guilty of playing with that a little bit too much but um it's just kind of our mindset and our relationship with money and and each other is is healthy enough to where we're on the same page and we got that way before we were married so it was pretty natural a pretty natural tie-in to our relationship with each other and with money because we just we have the right goals in mind so did you and your wife do anything to celebrate millionaire status? Well, given that we only were there for a blip in time and then the market did what the market did, um, we haven't really had enough time to plan out our activities. We actually posted in a Facebook group uh, you know, for one of our uh, financial independence groups and asked them what we should do. And we got a, a ton of hilarious responses uh, from <laughs> taking a cruise to... uh, My favorite response was to buy two copies of The Millionaire Next Door and drop them on the front porches of each one of our neighbors so that they walk outside and see that book on their front step. But (laughs) no, I I don't think we're going to do much to celebrate. We'll just take a little family vacation maybe to the beach and let the kids walk around and have a good time. So how are you teaching your kids about money? Or how do you plan to when they grow up? Yeah, so let's go with how do I plan to because my oldest is three and a half right now. So right now money for her is just the way that she gets Legos and she gets a lot of Legos. Uh, but uh, the thought we've had, and this can always change as the kids get closer to that time of really understanding money, is, well, let me take a step back. I was never really brought up in an entrepreneurial environment. I'm kind of used to the path of you go to school, you get a job. You retire in, when you're 60s and you kind of live out your life that way. My wife was extremely entrepreneurial and you know, her dad 
he maybe had a real job like for a month and then he kind of went off into different entrepreneurial ventures and her entire family is that way. So what we're looking at doing with our kids is try to instill a bit of entrepreneurialism from them in an early age. And we're kind of thinking about, you know, if they want to you know, get toys and when they're of an age where they can really start to earn things, give them a little bit of an allowance, but make them kind of learn projects and do little entrepreneurial things to help them kind of understand money and understand not just what money is, but how you can even at an early age or when you feel underqualified, earn money for yourself. You know, especially with online business, starting a YouTube channel can become profitable even for a kid. And all these ways which when you start thinking about how can you turn your children into young entrepreneurs, you really start to unlock that potential for now you can give them a Roth IRA at the age of five. And when you do that, all of a sudden you've, you know, created tax-free shelter for a five-year-old that's going to compound at the market rate for 20 years before they even know about it really. So we're really looking at finding ways of being creative with entrepreneurship and instilling that into our children. So I want to back up and talk about options trading. Um, can you just give us a brief overview maybe for those that don't know what it is and why you've chosen to make that, I don't know, can we call that your hobby or your side gig? Yeah, it's one of my many side gigs, I guess you could say. Because it is income producing, but it's it's a fun hobby. So options trading is not scary like a lot of people make it out to be. And I'll try to make, keep this super simple. So the way that I like to think about it is when you sell an option contract, you're selling a right. It's kind of like insurance. So when you pay somebody for you pay your insurance company, you pay them a premium. And what that does is it gives you the right to invoke that benefit that you're paying for, you know, if stuff goes wrong. So life insurance, you can invoke that benefit if somebody you know and care about dies. So same way with options trading where somebody can buy an option and what that does is it gives them the right to either call a stock away from somebody or put their stock that dropped down in value on somebody else. And on the other side of that coin is if you're the one selling the option, you're actually taking risk the same way that your insurance company is taking risk when somebody wants to insure their stock market portfolio, as an example. And I personally play the side of selling the options contract. I basically work through statistical probabilities, which is, it sounds geeky, but it is geeky, but it's not that hard. Um, <laughs> but you basically, you're able to look at the data of the historical volatility of the market where the market has been over the last 30 60 90 days and you can make a probability based assumption of at least the range that the S&P should be in over the next month the next two months and based on that you can sell options contracts that you can have a very good feel for the probability of success and you know you take in a premium when you sell that and so I'm probably getting a little bit too deep into it but the idea is I make myself the insurance company, or if you're thinking of a casino, I am the casino, and I can set the probabilities the way that I want them, and I can kind of work out over time my expected return based on the amount of risk that I'm willing to take. And how has this been for you? Obviously, you've had some success or you'd stop doing it. <laughs> well, I'm a weird one, so I may still do it even if it doesn't uh, continue to work, <laughs> but you know, it's been profitable. The, the challenge with options trading is that uh, depending on how you set it up, you can either have a few big winners and a bunch of small losses or a bunch of small winners and a couple of big losses. And so for me, I've taken the approach of uh, set relatively high probability trades and to where I take in consistent income over time. But if a trade does go the wrong way or if the market has a, a crazy shake in one direction or the other, uh, it can be a sizable loss. 
So I'm up about 10% for the year, which is, you know, I think it's good. And being in April, I'm still a relatively new trader. Um, but it's, I would say it's too early to say if it's going to become the replacement for my index portfolio. Uh, what I can tell you, though, is it doesn't have to be either or. And I think the big benefit for me with, uh, with options trading is consider like a classic 60, let's say, um, let's just say a half and half U.S. stock market and international stock market portfolio. You do that for diversification purposes, right? Like you, otherwise you'd put it all into the best asset class. But the challenge is whenever the markets are going the wrong direction, what happens to correlations? All of a sudden they all go to one. And if the U.S. stock market's going down, the international stock market's down. If the U.S. market's going up, the international stock market's going up. In general, you lose a lot of that diversification benefit, which was the original intent of having both of those uh, funds in your portfolio. The benefit with options trading, however, is I don't have to be bullish. I don't have to be bearish. And I, I could be actually neutral to the market direction. So I can actually create my own customized correlation so that I can decide if I want my portfolio to go up when the market goes down and vice versa. So what I like about it is not necessarily to be the only way that I invest, but to be almost like the perfect companion to an index fund portfolio. How much time does it take you to spend to do this on a weekly basis or a monthly basis? Because I would say that I'm still kind of honing the craft, um, I do spend probably about 10, 15 minutes a day. Uh, you know, normally, it's my lunch break hobby. I'll kind of lock myself in my office and uh, put the screen up and, and log into the brokerage and, and check it out. So about 10, 15 minutes just to check in on things and make any adjustments that I need. Uh, but I do kind of spend a considerable amount of time just studying and kind of understanding the theory and, and making sure that my mindset is, is honed and is good around it. But depending on your strategy, some are more set and forget. Some are more, you know, every day you need to watch the ticks. And personally, I, I could not create a life where I'm just glued to a computer screen watching my portfolio. So I, I've taken a much more hands-off approach to it. And which platform have you decided to use with those? Yeah, so there's a, a new platform that came out last year or so. It's called Tastyworks. And uh, if you actually go to 9to5.com slash Tastyworks, you can kind of check it out there. And it's a it's a new brokerage that it's it's great. It's it's simplified. It makes it accessible to options traders. And the best part about it is they actually kind of like a CNBC, but it's it's not like just news and talking heads. They actually go through a lot of research and a lot of education around options trading throughout the day. So if you're interested in at least uh, checking it out, I would definitely start there because they make it very accessible for new new traders. Cool. And how much would you recommend maybe a newbie or somebody that's kind of just getting started? How much should they play with, you know, each week or each month to actually, yeah. like, you know, make a significant profit? Well, the first thing I would say is uh, I would recommend you paper trade, which is basically where you, you play around with it. You can sign up for uh, brokerages often have the ability for you to, to trade without you know risking real money. I would say recommend do that without any investment for a, a while, you know, a few months or so and get the feel for it. But when you're ready to start committing capital, you can open an account with about 2000 I think it's $2,500 to get a, a margin account. But really, if I'm being totally truthful, I would say probably $10,000 would be the minimum that I'd really recommend you put in, simply because if you have such small capital, 
it can your commissions and your cost of trading can really eat into some of those profits. So around the $10,000 mark is when you can really start to have some diversification in your portfolio as well as be able to take a loss and then kind of work your way up from it. Because in the beginning, you know, we're all going to make mistakes in the beginning. But the beautiful thing about it is if you create a process that works for you and doesn't need to be the most complex thing in the world, you can have steady returns uh, even with a relatively small size portfolio. Cool. Let's switch gears here for just a second and talk about your small business. So this is a business that your wife, you said, kind of is, is involved with, and so you kind of work together. How's that been working together with her? And kind of maybe describe a little bit about when you started the business and kind of how that process went. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we started it when we had our first ch- uh, child, our daughter. My wife took her 12 weeks maternity leave, and the first week back to work, you know, she was able to negotiate where she was working from home. So she had it like made in the shade. She was she was good. We were both in corporate America at the time, but she had a couple conference calls that ran together. You know, the babysitter that was supposed to come over didn't show up. The baby was crying. My wife was overwhelmed. You know, it was just a bad situation, and. Because of our frugality and and I was able to provide, uh, we decided right then and there that, you know, she quit her job and put her two weeks notice in the first week back from her maternity leave. It just wasn't working for us. And so for the first, you know, few months or so, she was just a stay at home mom and she was loving it. You were uh, bonding with our child. But over time, she got to where she was kind of missing some of that professional, you know, pursuits. And, you know, like I said, we like to work. So she started blogging about 2013 or so. 2013, 2014, I would say, and started out slow, like most things do. And then over time, it kind of grew and grew to where people were asking for her own advice on how she was doing certain things. And it's gotten to where she's out earning me by a sizable amount. I've kind of had to check my ego at the door, but it's, it's been a fantastic <laughs> uh, side pursuit. So right about now, we're doing between thirty dollars and $40,000 per month with the blog. And it's it's been great. We I'm actually sitting up upstairs in our office right now, where we have like matching cubicles. So I leave my office from work to come to my office at home, and so we will spend the evenings blogging and talking about automations and doing cool things. So it's it's been a great it's been a great hobby. And was the blog when when you started it was it about something or in a specific niche or was it kind of kind of grown into that over time? Yeah, so it it was a mommy blog when it started, um, and it was really kind of journaling our experiences as being a stay-at-home parent for my wife and then I would write a few posts on there from the fatherhood perspective and that started to grow but what my wife realized was that you know our training is in industrial engineering you know we like making operators manuals and making processes more efficient and doing things because we both came from like a manufacturing in, uh, environment or background and so what she was able to start doing is breaking down the process that we were using to grow our blog into kind of very easy bite-sized uh, chunks that you know moms or anybody could relate to and kind of follow step by step. So we started the blog we're putting the most time into now, uh, startamomblog.com, and she's really kind of taking new moms or moms that are trying to quit their day jobs and helping them start their own side hustles through blogging and other entrepreneurial ventures like starting online courses and things like that. And it's just been an amazing following and an amazing time for us because we've learned a lot and grown a lot together through the whole experience um, and kind of teaching me how to be entrepreneurial since I never really uh, had that in me up until recently. It's been a great, great journey. So are you just running one blog or is it multiple? So we've got a few. Um, Really, we only focus on, as far as like monetization, we focus on the Start a Mom blog from a monetization standpoint right now. 
But as I am getting closer to uh, my own, I guess, financial independence date, I'm starting a few projects on my own just to um, prepare. Because one thing I don't want to do is if I quit corporate job, uh, not have something to transition into. I don't know if I'll be able to not work. You know, it's a great idea to be able to just hang it up and retire early. But I always take a little bit of an issue with the whole F-I-R-E, you know, financially independent, retired early mantra, because I never really want to retire. I just want to create a life of purpose and flexibility. So I'm starting a few projects right now that are really just getting off the ground to, uh, uh, to see if I have some legs behind it as I transition out of corporate life. Good stuff. Did you all take a course or anything to, to cut off some of the learning curve when you started your blog? Or has that kind of all been, you know, learn and, and trial by fire? Well, I commute a long way to work every day. So I listen to a lot of podcasts like Millionaires Unveiled. And so I really kind of learned from, you know, the likes of a lot of the the big names in the space of kind of how to start a business online. And so I think we'd pay, you know, on a, for a course here and there. But a lot of it was just organic learning, and my wife and I, we're just problem solvers, and we like to kind of play through problems together. So a lot of it was just trial and error and patience, because especially with the blogging side, it can take a little while before it starts to build momentum. But once it does, you have you know a, a lot of wind at your back as you continue to grow and, and learn and get more efficient. So how do you guys balance how much to put back into to your businesses or to the blog or to maybe something else you're deciding to start versus investing, you know, and in, in, or for the future? That is a great question. And it's one where our mindset has uh, shifted as time has gone on. So originally it was dump it all into the mortgage and, you know, pay off the house aggressively. So check that goal off the list and, and move on. After that, we've been doing a couple different things. So before we really had this crystallization of, you know, let's leave corporate life and let's kind of go off on a, a different trail, you know, we were saving up for a larger down payment. You know, we, we got crazy, wanted to go buy a different house and wanted to go buy cash. And so we've been all over the all over the board. But we've kind of honed in on a strategy recently where the majority has been going into, you know, passive investments, uh, a, a side bit of that is going into um, my options trading. So I would say about maybe 10% of our savings is going into options trading. The vast majority is going into uh, into passive index funds. But recently, we've gotten to where you know, the blog, there were not a lot of expenses. And that's the beautiful thing about blogging is there's really minimal expenses when you get started. Um, but you can grow the expenses kind of strategically. So we're looking at different ways now to start investing more into it. But uh, really, we're keeping those expenses low. I mean, we're doing a little bit of advertising, a little bit of marketing costs, and you know, additional systems and tools to make it more efficient. But uh, really, a lot of our investments are going right back into the markets. Talk about a little bit, or talk a little bit about your experience with Lending Club. How much did you put into that? And and maybe for those that aren't familiar, what is it, and how does that work? Sure, sure. So. Lending Club is one of the, the big names in the peer-to-peer lending space. And what peer-to-peer lending is basically where uh, you are the bank, where people, if they need to get a credit card consolidation or you know a bank loan for a vacation or whatever, they can go and apply to, either to the bank or they can go to Lending Club. And if they go to Lending Club, it kind of cuts the bank out and you take a, a share, a very small stake in that person's debt. And so you're basically like buying a very small individualized bond where uh, you'll have maybe $25 per loan that are out there. So you have a ton of different loans in, uh, in your account, and each one of them pays you, you know, 60 cents a month or a dollar a month, depending on kind of how the loan was set up. And it's all it's very automated. It's very easy and kind of low maintenance. 
But it was, it was a cool idea for me to kind of look for diversification because, again, I, I am a little bit nervous about how our mindset will be if, if you know, the markets do tank 50, 60 percent. So we, we got into that. And if you're considering doing it, I would recommend uh, doing it through an IRA, whether a traditional or a Roth, because every one of those note payments are considered income. So it's not considered like, you know, unrealized gains if the markets go up. It's actually each one of those payments could be taxable unless you do uh, tax sheltering. So that can kind of eat into your returns. Um, the experience has been okay. You know, it hasn't done fantastically. Uh, not a whole lot you can really do about it um, because it is a passive investment. You put it in and unlike shares of stock where you can sell it two days later and, and get the money back, uh, this note, it could be for 36 months long, for like three years long. And that money is a little bit more illiquid, more tied up. But it's kind of an interesting experiment. I don't, I don't see myself putting more into it right now, but uh, it, was worth, it was worth kind of satisfying the curiosity. Awesome. All right. I got some uh, millionaire rapid fire questions for you. And for our listeners, he hasn't heard these before, and we haven't released an episode with these questions. So oh boy. We'll, uh, we'll see. They're quick ones. So most expensive pair of jeans you've ever bought? $30. Most expensive shoes? Ooh, I do like shoes. Uh, probably $110 <laughs> CrossFit shoes. Uh, most expensive car? Our Sienna, which was probably around $30,000. We bought it new because we like our Sienna. Most expensive meal out that you've paid for? Oh, oh gosh. Probably fondue coming in right around, probably, we splurge, we do splurge. So probably about $120 for like <laughs> a real nice dinner. Cause yeah, whatever. It, I think we're celebrating a milestone. <laughs> so, and that's another point. So if you're going down like the whole financial independence, you're allowed to splurge. It's almost like, you know, if you're into bodybuilding or exercising and you're trying to lose weight, yeah, you, you, you cut out the calories, cut out the calories. But every now and then, you can have a burrito. You can have a hamburger. It's okay. So if, if it keeps you motivated and keeps you on the, the goal in mind, you can, you can splurge a little bit. At least that's what I tell myself. Yeah. So on that, what's, uh, what's worth the money to you? What's worth spending more on? Um, well, I think, for example, we've, we have switched to buying. I was the guy. I would always make fun of people who are like, I only eat organic and I only eat non-GMO food. And over time, we're starting to spend more on better groceries. So that, that is one where I'm eating my words. Uh, so I will pay for health. Uh, for example, you know, we do we do go to a gym, uh, but we actually use quite a lot and, and really enjoy. And um, experiences for the family. Unfortunately, or I guess it's fortunately, the, the things that kids appreciate right now are free. So spending appropriately, but not being afraid if it's if it's worth it. And then secondarily, anything that helps grow your own business or grow your own productivity, I'm a firm believer in investing in yourself. Like, you know, you're going to get maybe 10% back per year on your stock market investments. But if you take a portion, an allocation of your investment and invest it back into yourself or into a potential business, or even if it's just like a moonshot, um, you do have, I, I firmly believe that you can make much more through entrepreneurship than you ever would through just the stock market alone. Yep, I agree. Uh, what's been your, what was your high school and college GPA? Oh gosh, um, let's see. High school was probably it, it was probably like a three eight or so, and college I like to party, so probably like a three five three six. <laughs> okay, I don't party along, that much. along the lines of college, what was your what was your first job and salary out of college? So my uh, do internships count or do only real jobs? 
Full time, full time. Let's go full time. Full time. Well, I was a full time intern, so I did intern full time, and I got paid uh, at Walt Disney World as an engineer, and uh, I got paid. I think it was like twenty bucks an hour, which was good money <laughs> as an intern. But then after college, um, I worked as an engineer. I won't say what the company was, um, but I, I got paid about sixty thousand dollars a year. I think was my W two. Okay, awesome. Handled them well. <laughs> Thank so, you. So, so where do you go from here? <laughs> what mistakes have you made, and and what advice do you give somebody that's you know maybe in their twenties or a millennial and and trying to be financially independent? So that is the question that my wife and I talk about often. Um, you know, why haven't I quit my day job? Uh, the the few people that we talk to, you know, online about this stuff and talk very openly is like they they call me crazy because you know why am, why am I still working if we have something that's working well? And truthfully, it's because there's you know being productive and being saving and being frugal and just being kind of right minded is very well and good. But you also need to measure the risk and take measured risks when it's appropriate. And I just feel that it hasn't hit me personally yet to take the risk of leaving the stability. You know, in my mind, you know, in my nightmare scenario, I quit my job and then on the very next day our income goes away and all the kids break their legs and then we all need to be like <laughs> <laughs> we all need health insurance out the wazoo. So we just haven't really hit that point yet. We're enjoying what we're doing. I, I love my day job and I I don't I don't slack off my day job, you know, just because we're in this position. I firmly believe that if you're going to commit to something, you don't owe it to the employer. You owe it to yourself to kind of put your your full self and your full mentality and mindset into what you pursue. So I think when the day comes that I'm not able to give that full energy or if I don't find purpose in what I do during the day job, then I'll be gone the very next day. But until then, I, I think that, you know, we're I'm, I'm a religious guy. So, you know, we're all here to do, you know, our ministry and, and do our work. So, um, I take it seriously, and I think I feel a lot of loyalty to uh, my day job, uh, so that I, I just don't I don't feel the need to leave. As far as advice I'd give to a younger person, I think it would be saving money is a good practice. Obviously, uh, that's why we're all here, but you need to protect your mindset along the journey. Um, so, I would say aggressively save but not for the purpose of simply saving money. Uh, know what your big why is, like what the reason for why you're there, why you exist, and and why you have the relationship you have with money, um, and protect that. Because I think as I've gone through phases, as we were getting closer to where we're at today, where I would lose purpose, or I, I would start to get greedy and, and just want to see the number go up and up and up. And I would forget that we're all here for a much greater purpose. And for me, it's my children and it's my wife and it's, you know, protecting them and raising them the way that, you know, I want them to be. So I, I would just say, keep your mind right along the way. Cause you can get, you can get lost along the journey if you're not careful. Have you ever had a target net worth or target cash flow or something that, that you've wanted to reach maybe when you first graduated college or anything that you were looking off into the distance? I never would have thought that we're making the money we're making now when I when I graduated college. Um, so I think recently we have been kind of throwing out uh, target numbers. And I think the one I feel comfortable with is when we have a million dollars of liquid assets um, outside of the house, then that would probably be a time that I would I would consider quitting full time. And we're I mean, we're aggressively getting there. Uh, so. What we have kind of figured out, though, is is really more of a time based um, for when I would when I would leave my day job is 
when we have some time during the days where there's pure quiet, you know, when all three kids are in school, that would probably be a time that it would make sense for, for me to take the leap. And how much time do you all spend, you know, managing the blog, managing your side businesses? Does your wife do it during the day with the kids at home? Yeah. So, um, it's changed as, you know, from one kid to two kids to now three kids. Uh, we have enlisted a full-time nanny, which has been a lifesaver for our business. You know, we were, there was a moment there where we were like, this is not going to continue to grow because there was just no time in the day. So right now, my my wife is able to spend a few hours in the morning, a few hours in the afternoon, and then uh, a few hours at night on it. So she's probably putting in maybe six hours throughout uh, each day on it. And I put in just a couple hours at night, every night, helping her out, kind of doing some of the back end. I obviously handle the finances for the business and I, I do a lot of the kind of technical stuff because I'm I'm a geek through and through. And then on my side businesses, I, I give it the time I have, which is not a lot outside of that because one thing I've learned is you I'm not willing to make the sacrifice of family time with my children, especially when they're as young as they are, in order to maybe make an additional percent or 2% on my portfolio or on my businesses. So I do try to keep my priorities straight. So I, I do what I can when the kids are in bed and I've got a little bit of energy left at the night. Good stuff. Where can people get in touch with you or find out more about you? Yeah, so if you're curious about how we got to where we're at, I'd recommend you go check out my wife's blog, which is startamomblog.com. And if you want to see kind of what I'm up to these days, you can head over to 9to5.com. That's 9to5.com. Awesome. Jack from 9to5.com, net worth just over a million dollars, newly minted millionaire. Thanks for coming on the show today. I appreciate it, guys. It's been great. Thanks, Jack. Thanks for listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast with Clark Sheffield and Chase Mantinson. For more stories, investment opportunities, and information, check out our website at millionairesunveiled.com. See you next time when you'll hear from another everyday millionaire.